Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the podcast daily. It is a Thursday, two days until kickoff for Ohio State and Wisconsin. Big 10 action in prime time in the horseshoe. That's Jeremy Birmingham. I am Austin Warden. We are joined by a very special guest, a longtime friend of both of ours who covers Wisconsin for The Athletic. He's Jesse Temple. Jesse, it is great to see you, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. So the Badgers, uh, I think all of us would have anticipated this being a matchup of unbeatens. Why is that not the case? Well, obviously, Wisconsin laid an egg at home two weeks ago against Washington State and somehow managed to lose 17-14 despite being 17.5-point favorites. The problem in that game was that Wisconsin consistently shot itself in the foot and made basically every mistake you could make. It was it was atrocious. They made they committed 11 penalties for 106 yards. That's very uncharacteristic of a team that usually doesn't beat itself. There were three turnovers. There were some key missed tackles defensively for a defense that, as we know, has been pretty darn good for several years. And there were a bunch of special teams mistakes. Their starting field goal kicker missed two tries. The second one was a 43-yard field goal attempt where it looked like he just hit the ground and the ball never had a chance. And when you lose by three points, all those mistakes add up. So a performance like that certainly leaves the door open for questions about how this team is going to perform at Ohio State on Saturday night. They bounced back, though, Jesse, right? I mean, they came back with a, you know, they played New Mexico State, obviously, the week after. So it's not like you're going to take too much from that. But they certainly seem to play a cleaner game uh, last Saturday. And I guess a lot of that is just clearing up the mental, like, okay, let's make sure we don't do this again. But have you seen any sort of chinks in the mental armor in Wisconsin, in Madison, as far as some of the confidence or whatever heading into the season? No, not at all. I think they were very surprised by what happened against Washington State, and several of the leaders spoke out the following Monday when reporters have a chance to talk to players about how it was unacceptable and how it was never going to happen again. And it's really difficult to take much from the other two games, I'll be honest. The season opener was against an FCS team in Illinois State. That was a 38 nothing win. And last Saturday, Wisconsin, as you said, beat New Mexico State 66-7. New Mexico State is arguably the worst college football program in the FBS. So, it's great that the Badgers only committed four penalties and played up to their standard, but I don't necessarily know how much that means coming into the week, other than they were able to clean up some of the issues that popped up two weeks ago. Which version of Wisconsin are we going to see Saturday? That remains to be seen. Jesse, I think I can speak for Berm as well. When We've always loved Big Ten championship games, Ohio State-Wisconsin, because we get a Friday with just the exuberance of Paul Christ on a microphone for half an hour and to hear him speak is always a treat um two things what is it like to cover him on a daily basis and secondly what is sort of the mood around the chris regime uh for wisconsin fans right now let me start by saying that i believe i detected a hint of sarcasm (laughs) in your voice it's possible just want to make sure i'm not mistaken on that Berm might really mean it, but I guess I didn't. Uh, what does Paul like to cover? You know, I, I I say it like this. He's a good man, and people around here respect him a ton. And he's not the most quotable guy. That's not his favorite thing to do. Um, that's just how it is. There's several times where when I write a story, I either paraphrase what he said or don't necessarily use what he said because the players have plenty to say. And we talked to the coordinators on Tuesdays. Um 
he understands that it's part of the job. I will say, I think that he's gotten better over the years. This is his eighth season as the head coach at Wisconsin, his 11th overall because he was at Pittsburgh for three years before that. It's just not his forte. So if he <laughs> if he had his druthers, he probably wouldn't ever talk to us. <laughs> and that's that's okay. Look, that's okay. We, we we don't all have to have the same relationship with coaches that you might at a, at a different program, whether it's with Ryan Day or PJ Fleck at Minnesota or anywhere else. In right. terms of what the mood is, are you asking the fan perspective? Because um, I think the la- I think what happened against Washington State really set some people off, and I certainly saw it in the comments section of my stories that. This is a program, Wisconsin is in a really difficult spot in a way that Ohio State is one of the three or four best teams every year. And that is the expectation in Columbus is that the Buckeyes will be a college football playoff contender. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin is better than most college football programs. They do more with three-star recruits than probably any program in the country. And in 2016, 2017, some of the first years Chris was here, they were in that Big Ten championship game. They went back in 2019. Now they didn't win, but they were dominating the West and they were in the championship game and now they haven't been for the last two years and it hasn't met the standard of, of what Wisconsin expects and fans I think are starting to get a little tired or a little leery and wondering what the ceiling is for this Wisconsin program because they've won 10 games they've gone to New Year's six bowl games but they've always been on the outside looking into the college football playoff and obviously it's a bigger discussion to be had about when there's going to be that 12 team playoff. I think mm-hmm. Wisconsin is the perfect type of program that could benefit from that. Because if I'm not mistaken, since the BCS era started 1998 or so, if there was a 12 team playoff every year, Wisconsin would have been in eight different times. Right. So it makes a huge difference. And, and I think that's where the fans are is there's this frustration of what is the ceiling and is this program backsliding because of what the last couple of years has been, have been me personally, I'm willing to give Wisconsin a pass for 2020 during that COVID season. That was a disaster for largely everyone. And Wisconsin was hit as hard as any program in the country. They wound up going four and three, went to a bowl game. And last year they went nine and four. Again, most programs would love to have a year like that, but the Badgers lost the regular season finale at Minnesota and therefore lost out on winning the West division and going to the big 10 championship game. So I think that's where fans are right now is they just, they want more and they wonder whether Paul Christ can get them there, even though he did get them there earlier in his tenure here. Jesse, on Monday, uh, we do a live show from one of the restaurants uh, near Campus Roosters restaurants. And on, on that show, Austin had posited that perhaps a college football coach's best timeline or his best length of tenure is like seven years. And here we are, as you mentioned, in, in year eight of Paul Christ. Do you feel like something's different in Wisconsin right now? I mean, do you, I, I brought up on that show that Ohio State went into Wisconsin and landed an offensive line recruit for last year in the class of 2022, which seems impossible to even imagine 10 years ago that the Buckeyes could have went to Wisconsin and taken a player that the Badgers wanted as an offensive lineman. Is there is there a lack of juice around the program? like, Or, or is it just because, because college football has stagnated to a point where it's those four or five schools every year that are in the playoff and people just don't seem to get excited since they're, if their team's not one of them. I wouldn't necessarily say there's a, a lack of juice around the program. Um, to your point about the recruiting situation, I think that was a very unique year in general uh, because of the COVID situation. Like one of the things Wisconsin does exceptionally well is identify talent early and lock up in-state talent early. But the Badgers are also able to do that because they get earlier visits I mean, naturally, if you're a few hours away, you're going to go to campus, you're going to be around the players. And because of COVID, the guys in that class 
they didn't have that opportunity. So essentially, and I, I talked to Paul Christ about this in December, um, it sort of opened the door for these other programs because what Wisconsin's biggest advantage was disappeared. Um, and I don't want to make an excuse, like you got to land the best offensive lineman in the state, but there were a couple that didn't go to Wisconsin. One picked Ohio state, one picked Notre Dame, but generally Wisconsin, I think is still on top of the best players in the state, but you know, I, I don't, I wouldn't say there's a lack of juice. I just think like you said, there's four teams, five teams every year that have a chance to go to the college football playoff and the rest are, are kind of fighting for whatever that tier below is. And Wisconsin, the way the Badgers play, they've their margin for error is slim, right? They don't always have the most talent on the field. They out execute you and they can't make mistakes. And we've seen that pop up in, in critical moments. So I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't say that like, because this is year eight of the Paul Chris tenure that they've hit a wall or anything like that. But I do think that what happens the rest of this season and maybe even next year will sort of be a good indicator of the direction of this program. And, and what the future looks like, whether the Badgers can get back to the level that they were just a few years ago. Jesse, it feels like if there's an opportunity for the Badgers to uh, pull off this upset on Saturday, that Graham Mertz is going to have to be heavily involved in that. Berm has made this point a number of times that Ryan Day desperately wanted to land Mertz out of high school and that that's usually a pretty strong seal of approval if if this very successful quarterback coach wants to work with you there must be something special there his career so far has i don't know i guess been a bit of a mixed bag uh, what has it been like to follow him and and what are the what are the chances that he can make something happen against that ohio state secondary this weekend so i've been covering graham for the last five years as you tend to do when you delve into recruiting and people who are listening who may not know the story um when he committed to wisconsin it was the start of his junior year of high school. Nobody really knew who he was. He had three scholarship offers at the time. It was Wisconsin, Kansas, because he's from Kansas, and Minnesota. And then during his junior season, he led his high school team to a state championship. He goes down to the All-American Bowl in Texas and tears it up. Michigan offers him. Ohio State offers him. Every school in the country basically offers him. And for thankfully, I suppose, from Wisconsin's perspective, because they had developed such a strong relationship with him, that ultimately withstood the run that some of these other programs made. No doubt about it. He had a high school. He had all the tools. He's the highest rated quarterback recruit Wisconsin has signed during the online ranking era. And with that came really astronomical expectations. And it's kind of funny looking back on it now, three, four years later, that if he wasn't going to be a Heisman Trophy winner or a first team All-American, it was almost like he was going to let people down or guide Wisconsin to the college football playoff. And obviously that was going to take a lot more than just having one quarterback. So he redshirted in 2019 behind Jack Cohn and then became the starter in 2020. His debut as a starter, one of the best games I've ever seen by a quarterback ever. Um, I realize that's against Illinois, but like that's not hyperbole. He was 20 for 21, 248 yards, five touchdowns, no interceptions. The only incompletion was a dropped pass. The dude was perfect. He was incredible. And then he got COVID and then half the team got COVID and Wisconsin really wasn't the same the rest of 2020. And 2021, I think, was a disappointment just because he didn't make the strides that he he wanted to make. He ended up throwing more interceptions than touchdown passes, and he really struggled early in the season, as the team did as well, in losses against good teams, Penn State, Michigan, Notre Dame. I just did a story that I actually published this week about kind of everything he did behind the scenes to put himself in position to have the year that he's having this year. Obviously, quarterbacks at that level, they work their butts off, but he found some technical glitches. And you've seen these first three games, what a difference it's made. He's thrown for at least 200 yards in each game so far. 
That's never happened before in his career. He had three 200-yard passing games all of last season. And yes, some of that comes with the opponent, but it comes with the confidence that he has and the trust, his ability to deliver down the field. I mean, he's completing balls 20, 30, 40 yards down the field that he just wasn't earlier in his career. And he's got a better wide receiving core top to bottom, in my opinion, and he's got pretty good tight ends. So he's completed passes to 11 different receivers. And you put that all together with a new offensive coordinator, which I think is worth mentioning as well. Bobby Ingram was hired to remake this offense. He's giving Graham a better chance to succeed. He's taking snaps a lot more from under center than he did previously. A lot, It was a lot more shotgun before. All that stuff has combined to make Graham the quarterback that I think people wanted him to be. He's slowly getting there. It's taken a while, but that doesn't mean he's going to be able to do it against Ohio State, which I imagine is the next question that you might have. (laughs) Well, I mean, the question is, how confident are people around the program that that growth is a byproduct of that growth and not playing two of the worst teams, you know, in, in college football? Right. I Well, I think it's both. I think it's fair to say that it's both. Obviously, some of those stats are a reflection of playing teams that just are not as talented and are prone to giving up a big play or making a mistake. But at the same time, there's still throws that I think Graham wouldn't have necessarily connected in that way in previous years. Um, he's always had the confidence, but it's, something is just different about him this year. Um, he's He's clearly a smooth operator. He's got command of everything. The thing that he said he wanted to emphasize most in the offseason, in addition to fixing some of his technical flaws with his mechanics, was that he wanted to be a better decision maker. And I asked him this week about whether there was a specific example that came to mind from the first three games that could illustrate his growth there. And he, he mentioned a play against New Mexico State from last Saturday. He said it's not even always a passing play. They were in a look where he had talked to Bobby Ingram earlier in the week. And it was, if we're in this look and we see New Mexico State presenting this defense, it was an RPO look, so they had a run-pass option. We don't like either of these looks. Graham recognized it. He called a different play on the fly and got Wisconsin in a better position to succeed. And I think that's a small example of some of the things that Graham is able to do that might not have succeeded in previous years. So it's it's definitely the opponent, but it's absolutely the growth that Graham has demonstrated. And he He's got to be on his game against Ohio State because you know the Buckeyes are going to load the block, the box. They're going to put eight-plus defenders in the box. There's only two teams that have faced more eight-plus defenders early this season than Wisconsin. Like That is the game plan is stop the run, make Graham win through the air, and that's what he's going to have to do to give Wisconsin a chance. Jesse, do they have checkpoints set up at the Wisconsin border to keep people from taking New Glarus out? How does that work? Uh, I think if you're willing to come here, you can buy all the new glares you want and get out. I know plenty of people who do that. Plenty of other beat writers who, when they come to Wisconsin for the game, they they stock up on new glares and, and get out. So I know you're a big beer guy, and this is a good place to be if you're into that. It's a yeah. delicious beer. It really is. Uh, if only we knew somebody who was coming to Columbus this week, Berm, we'd really be in business hmm. then. Yeah, you know, I don't know that I'm going to take an extra suitcase on my flight. <laughs> well, we had to try. Jesse, I'm curious about, you know, the Wisconsin uh, vibe about Ohio State. I've been listening to different random Badger podcasts over the last couple of days, trying to get myself educated on, on Wisconsin. And the theme that keeps recurring is that people believe that this Ohio State defense is susceptible to Wisconsin having success. Um, and, and the term I've heard a couple of times is this isn't the 2019 Buckeye defense, which obviously makes sense. There's no Jeff Okuda. There's no you know, Chase Young, there's no Jordan Fuller or there's no Damon Arnett. There's no all these guys that are in the NFL and dominating in the NFL, except for Damon Arnett. That's a different story. So we'll move that to the side. 
but um you know what is the vibe this is a brand new defense at ohio state is there an a a viewpoint that that people have taken about what they expect wisconsin to be able to do against jim Knowles in the defense well i think it's more the team as a whole because of what history says and the struggles that wisconsin has had like this would be the most monumental upset of the Paul Chris tenure and one of the most significant victories that the program has had in a long time from a specifically offense versus defense standpoint. Um, I think Wisconsin is going to scheme things up very well. It comes down to execution. Braylon Allen is their stud running back. Ches Malusi is their number two. Those guys have to be able to get some yardage to put Graham Mertz in a manageable third down type of situation. But there's a lot of respect for, for Ohio state, especially the front. Um, they know that it's going to be really difficult. The vibe that I get is like everybody realizes that this is not just a regular game. And I thought it was interesting that Jim Leonard, the defensive coordinator here, his message to the team early in the week was exactly that. I mean, it'd be easy to do the coach speak thing and say, treat every game the same. It's just another week. But he recognizes that these kids are human and they have emotions and they're intelligent, that you're going into Columbus, you're going to play in front of 100,000 fans, and this is going to be kind of unlike anything you normally face and they're trying to embrace that opportunity but nobody thinks wisconsin is going to win this game the badgers are 18 and a half point underdogs as we're talking and if that holds up wisconsin that'll be the largest point spread against wisconsin in the last 25 years so that's kind of what wisconsin is up against right now specifically offense against defense it comes down to not, not making mistakes the offensive line had five penalties against washington state two weeks ago can't have that can't have three turnovers can't make the mistakes that they made two weeks ago. You have to play as close to perfect football against Ohio State just to have a chance. Because if you make a mistake, as you guys know, Ohio State's going to make you pay. We've seen time and time again over the last decade that even when Wisconsin has a good plan and can stay in it for a while, Ohio State just has better players. And the best players, for the most part, went out in college football. You know, on, on the flip side of that, the Wisconsin defense, you're missing some key parts in the secondary when you're facing an Ohio State passing attack that is the envy of college football in in most cases is is there a plan that's different and normally wisconsin they, they they like to blitz the linebackers to go get the ohio state quarterback that's sort of been what they did to keep the game in, in the, the big 10 championship game in 2019 to, to really push them ahead it was just random blitzing from the linebacker spot is there something different that they're doing now or is that still sort of the same idea because i noticed there's not a single defensive lineman sack yet for the badgers this season which after three games and against the competition they've played that's a little bit unexpected i think um is that is is the jim leonard defense evolving or is it sort of the same as it's always been i think which what is makes good jim, but i mean it, it's a good <laughs> defense obviously i would say i think what makes jim such a special coordinator and why he's so sought after is his ability to adjust to whatever the game plan requires that week and it's different. Ohio State is different from what they were in 2019. You look at Justin Fields, and one of the things he was able to do is he could extend plays, but he could do stuff with his legs that C.J. Stroud, he's not. that's not his bread and butter. Now, he can extend plays, but it comes back to staying disciplined and making sure that they don't give up the big play like that that to me that's the biggest thing with ohio state and and jim even said this week that's when you go back and watch some of the games it wasn't always just that ohio state came out on the first play to hit an 80 yarder they will convert a first down they will you know you can have them in a position where you can get off the field and they will figure out a way to get the first down and then they hit you with the big play and that can be demoralizing and so i think there's a lot of factors that go into it I don't know how many sacks Wisconsin is going to get. I can't imagine that that should be an expectation outside the locker room that there will be very many because Ohio State's only allowed two sacks all season. So 
I think it's just trying to make Stroud uncomfortable, trying to close the lanes for the running backs. So it's their top two running backs are averaging six and a half plus yards per carry. So, and the, the defensive backs, they've just got to be able to tackle the speed space. Again, that was, if you go back and look at the Washington state game two weeks ago, one of the biggest plays of the game was Washington state completed a pass on the left flat to its running back. And one of Wisconsin safeties has had a chance to tackle him. He missed and the running back goes in for a 31 yard touchdown. You see what happens against Washington state. Um, you do that against Ohio state. You're in big, big trouble. Uh, that's certainly uh, the case. There's a pretty big margin uh, talent disparity there between Washington state and Ohio state. Uh, but it's Big Ten play. Anything can happen, right? It's uh, Wisconsin will be back in the horseshoe, a primetime showdown. Jesse Temple will be there for the athletic. It'd be great to see him. Of course, Berm and I will be there as well. Uh, we appreciate the insight, the analysis on the other side for the opponents from Jesse very much on the podcast. For Jesse, Berm, I'm Austin. We'll see you on Friday.